everyone to our virtual town hall. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Nikki Hurd. Before we start, I want to thank Providence for bringing all of these amazing voices of women together today and to Dash Radio for giving us a platform. Let's go ahead and run through our panelists. Before we do, unfortunately, Shar is unable to join us due to last minute family matters. So prayers go out to her and hers. Now we have the amazing um, panelists, Sherry Williams, Shelby Larkin-Reed, Royce Reed, and Tian Watkins. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to get jump right into this. What we're experiencing right now with COVID-19 and widespread racial injustice is quite overwhelming. Um, but we do have to acknowledge our feelings, no matter what they are, whether it's anxiety, fear, frustration, it's even a sense of trauma and depression, because all of these things can have a devastating impact on our health, mental, mind, body, and spirit. There are a lot of fears that we're facing as Black parents with today. I know I personally have three Black young kings that I'm raising in this world that we call uh, free, the land of the free, right? But um, raising Black children in America have been reinforced in this current climate. We know what's happening and what's going on, but do we really effectively, ladies, think that we know how to address the concerns that may rise with our, our Black children? And when I say our, not just the ones that, you know, we there, but in our community in general. So we're going to try to break that down. And then also, while we're talking, let's, we're going to see how it has an impact on us as mothers, on the children, our mental um, health and wellness. So why don't we just go ahead and start with what's happening right now with this pandemic. Sherry, the COVID-19 pandemic is hitting our community the hardest. On top of this, we have the recent injustice of George Floyd and others and this continuous murderous streak. Um, more than ever, we do need to show up for our communities. Tell us why it's important to you to be a community partner, especially in a time such as this. Again, thank you all for having me on, on this panel. Um, I currently work in healthcare. I'm not a clinician, I'm an administrator. And the work that I do in the community really reflects the populations that we serve, but it also allows us to dig a little bit deeper on what the concerns of our community. And in this current state of the pandemic, also unemployment, the, the drop in our economy, um, you know, schools are closed, kids are home, parents are home, um, and we are also just also under the, the stress of the Black Lives Movement and how it really affects us as Black people. There's a lot of stressors. Stressors just talking with our colleagues, having the burden of explaining what's going on in our society, as well as caring for um, the, the most vulnerable and the most sick in our community. Partnerships are really important in reaching out to those organizations that you align with either spiritually or um, educationally or community-wise to see how you can uh, be supported um, by them and how you can support them. And when I say this, you know, giving back to the community, volunteering, um, identifying what are the greatest needs and trying to fill those needs. I think it's a great way to extend the values that you have out to our community and community partners. And then I also identify what those greatest needs are 
so we as a community collectively can come together to support each other. Thank you. Now tell me maybe what are the biggest differences for African American assessing healthcare compared to others? How do you think that that's connected and how can we bridge that gap? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, again, we as a community are we view healthcare from a historical point of view. Mm -hmm. We also judge it on how we are treated by the healthcare industry. But we also have some in inherent um, biases and are victims of, of biases in the healthcare system. You know, my recommendation is to have someone come with you when you are in a doctor's office or meeting with a clinician or a physician. So you'll have a third ear, a supportive mm -hmm. person to support you. I also say bring a notebook and write things down so you're able to absorb and have a better understanding maybe at a later date on how your care is. Also, you have your voice. You need to be an advocate for yourself. Talk about what your needs are. And if this physician or clinician is unable to support you, we have the right to fire that person and identify an individual that really cares and identifies our particular needs as African-American people in our community. Um, and I also feel that educating yourself, um, using the internet, um, talking to others who have mm -hmm. had similar health issues, um, and really uh, provide yourself with the tools to be successful. I, I will say that I tore my Achilles tendon and I've been in healthcare for 20 years as an administrator. And I had to also navigate through the system to provide mm -hmm. the best care for me. And it was a challenge, but I felt that success really has a lot to do with empowering yourself and, the, and your community around you to know what's important. Thank you so much. I never thought about that, having a third party when you go to um, the doctor just to have someone bounce that idea off of. Sometimes when the doctors tell you one thing, you hear something totally different, right? right. So that would probably be a, a that's a great suggestion. Mm -hmm. um, Ms. Tian, <laughs> you and your daughter both um, have chronic conditions that make it hard for you to be in public during this world spread um, pandemic of COVID-19. How does this impact your mental well-being? Um, honestly, I have a pretty strong mental because I was born with the disease. It's kind of different from my daughter and my mom. My mom has cancer right now too, so I'm dealing with my daughter with lupus and Sjogren, and she has a double whammy because she has it from both sides of the family on her mom and dad's side. And then Sjogren's is a cousin to lupus. So um, she almost lost her life at the beginning of this year. She was in the hospital for two months and I had just got done doing five days a week for a whole month with my mom and radiation. So I was stressed, but mm -hmm. I'm good in emergency situations because I was born sickly. And I've almost died more than enough times I can count. So what she just said um, really makes a lot of sense because I, I always talk about self-advocacy, but a lot of people don't have, you know, um, support like some of us do. Like at seven years old, my mother and I was sitting in the doctor's office. I was seven and he should have never said that in front of a child. He told me in front of my mother that I would die by the time I'm 30. I would never have kids and I would be disabled my whole life. And I looked at my mom, but I have a strong mom. And she looked at me and she has so much 
conviction. <laughs> she said it so fierce. It was like, don't listen to what he just said. God has the last say so over your life. Right. So I believe my mama, but some people don't have that. And one mm-hmm. thing I do know about being sick, like my daughter, because she lived 18 years okay, and then all of a sudden her life changed. That's hard. You know, with mm-hmm. me, I'm used to being sick. So I can prepare her for what she has, you know, what she has to come. I was like, Chase, when you go in the hospital, they'll give you something. You're going to come out with way more than you went in with, you know, because mm-hmm. I've been through it all. I've done this for 50 years. You mm-hmm. know, I've learned them. Like she said, educate yourself. I know the drugs that don't work for me. I know the ones that do. I know the milligrams. I have educated myself. And people don't really realize how many rights they really have. If you don't mm-hmm. like that doctor and he has bed, bad bedside manners, get rid of him. It took me 28 years to find somebody who cares, but now I have that person. And I was going to fight until I found that person because they do somewhere exist. And I also feel like doctors aren't the ones who have the God complex. They're not God. They're still practicing medicine. They don't know everything. They're still learning. Some of them need to go back to school and learn a little bit more because things (laughs) change. We all change. You know what I'm saying? And lastly, um, writing stuff down in a book is what I do because you're so stressed out. I'm dealing with my mom, my daughter. You forget things because you're so stressed. And one thing we do know is we all can agree on this, whether it's cancer, lupus, AIDS, sickle cell, we all have something foreign in our body that we don't want there. We all want to live and we all want to survive. So when you write things down, it helps you really think about the things that you need to ask the doctor that you may forget or be too stressed out to remember. So that's really good. And it's also good to stand up for yourself. I will tell you how many times my doctor is like, T, you cussed out four doctors and kicked them out because you playing with my life. This is my life. This is my child's life. I don't play when it comes to that. And you have rights. I don't think people really know how many rights they really have. But you do have rights. If you don't want your blood taken at four in the morning, you can say no. You have rights. Thank you. I have a son that was born with a disability. Um, I'm with you 100% of the way. My mom has MS also. So it's it's not easy, but if you don't advocate for yourself, no one else will. So exactly. that, is a, that is a very important um, point. Now, you have a quite an age gap between the kids, right? You have um, Chase that's 20 and Chance is 5. Chance will be five in a week and a half, and Chase will be 20 the end of October. Yep. So okay. 19 so and four. A little right break. <laughs> okay, so seeing that there is such a gap there, what are your conversations like with both of them about what's going on right now? And like, what are you saying to them, respectively? I have always talked to my kids as people. You know, I always feel like I hate when some adults be like, they're a kid. They're so-. No, these are people. They deserve a certain amount of respect as well. So I always listen to my kids, no matter how good or bad it is. I want them to be able to talk to me. I'm not that parent that feels like, you know, you can't come to me because I'm going to shun you away or I can't believe, yeah, I messed up. I let them know my faults, but I hope you learn from them because I'm going to tell the truth because it made me who I am today. But the important part of that is I learned from it and I became a better person. But I was not always perfect. And through my mistakes, I hope that you won't make the same. And with my son being four, my daughter had played with him one day. And she was like, I'm going to call the police if you don't stop. He bust out crying because he had seen all the George Floyd stuff. He was like, they're going to kill me. That's not okay Mm -hmm. for a black four-year-old to feel that if the police come, 
they're going to kill you. So I explain the truth. There's some good people in the world and there's some bad people. There's some people who don't like us for no reason at all because they were taught, more, taught wrong. But I teach them to pray. I teach them to have faith because over here we believe in God and I feel like God has saved me a thousand million times. I can't even, doctors can't even explain why I'm sitting here. They come out like, um, I didn't do it. You know what I mean? So right. I feel I have a purpose, but I try my best to explain to my children the truth. I don't want to um, sugarcoat it, but you know, it's, it's in a PG form, but it's still the truth because that is the truth. Every time my daughter sees a cop, she goes like this, like that, like chill out, like no, <laughs> recover by the blood of Jesus. We're good. But this does happen. And so since this does happen, let me show you how not to get in trouble or where to keep your hands if you do. You know what I mean? But I mean, I've been um, racially profiled in the South by cops. I've had 10, um, 10 cops with guns at my head before. So I know what it feels like. You know what I mean? So I don't want my children to ever go through that. But if they do, if they do the same thing I did, then you'll still be sitting here, hopefully. Because I don't think some of them Black men had even a chance to get to that point. They just were going to be... My cousin was shot and murdered. Shot 18 times with AR-15s. He was mentally ill. And, you know, sometimes it, it happens to where... It's just those cops that day just wanted to kill the black person. That's what it seemed like for my family at the time because he didn't even do anything. And it, they said they didn't find a gun, but when they did, they didn't fingerprint it. If a black man has a gun and you shot him 18 times with machine guns that you go right. to war with, you're going to fingerprint a gun. It was never oh, for no sure. Gun. So yeah. I tell them the truth because it's real. It's real life. And if I was to sugarcoat it or tell them something, that's not the real world. You can't survive like that. My daughter has good common sense. She always has. And I want that. I love it over book smarts because I know if anything happened, she'll survive. Because right. that's what street smarts does for you. In situations, you can survive. And I, I taught her survival skills. Because anything can happen to me, but I need to know that you can take care of yourself. And that's yeah. what I'm always going to teach both of my kids, no matter the gap or anything. I started at two years old with Chance. Okay, this is this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can I, like, can I expound on what she was saying? Sure. Or, okay. Um, two things that you said that resonated so well with me. And one was, I mean, Braylon is 12. He's going to be 13. And... I am so against sometimes my dad allowing him to just watch the news nonstop. And he spends a lot of time with my family. Over here, I'm like, if Nick News was still on, I probably would be on that. You know what I mean? But then on the flip side, I'm like, these are things that he needs to know. But as a 12-year-old, you're trying to keep their innocence. But at the same time, you think about Tamir Rice. And I don't allow my son to play with toy guns at all. And he gets right. so upset with me sometimes. And it's like, no, you don't understand. I got him a laser tag set that has big, bright colors on it. But when I saw him playing across the street with some of his Caucasian friends, I was like, bring it in. Because from far away, I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? From far away, I couldn't see the bright colors. And to have to explain to him this is why, and him being so innocent in his mind and thinking like, but it's a toy. He doesn't understand how hard it is to 
wake up every day and be like, well, not right now, obviously, but to wake up and be like, mommy, can I go play? And you'd be like, can I deal with this today? Mm -hmm. You know, I have this huge game room at my house and he thinks it's because I'm just this cool mom. And it's because I don't ever want you to feel like you got to go to somebody else's house where I can't see you. (laughs) Exactly. You know, so I mean that. And then the thing about him knowing how to act in front of a police officer. I never thought that I would have to talk to my 12 year old son about if a cop comes up to you, show your hands. And our neighborhood is, you know, very diverse, but he's so, I don't wanna say he's oblivious, but I, I can see it in him where he knows what's going on. He's even posted on his little Instagram, you know, (laughs) about things that are going on, but it's in such a naive way that he doesn't understand why he just thinks it's because he's black, you know? And I have to tell him, I'm like, yes, that's definitely part of it. But then I have to explain to him to always put your hands up. Why just do it. Are they going to shoot me? How do you respond to that? Maybe. You know, it's heartbreaking. And he has so many ambitions and so many dreams. And I support all of them. Like, he has a bearded dragon in my house. And I don't do amphibians (laughs) with reptiles. You know, I take them to Monster Jam. Like, we're in these science things. Like, we're doing all these things because I want him to know that he is not me. He is not Mm -hmm. his father. Don't ever let fame or money define who you are and don't ever even let it be a synonym. Mm -hmm. But sometimes he feels like in order for him to be cool, he has to say who his parents are. Mm. And he doesn't understand that that doesn't even matter because in some cases, because of that, they're gonna be even worse on you. So yeah, when you were explaining all that, even with the healthcare thing, I was lucky. You know, I grew up with, um, you know, the healthcare and the dentist and all that stuff. I remember I didn't even realize that that was a privilege until I was in high school and I had to tell my best friend I couldn't go to her party because I had a dentist appointment. Why? Because <laughs> I'm just getting my teeth cleaned. They do that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But I mean, in a way I was sheltered, but my dad made sure we grew up around our own. So I remained cultured. So I'm with you on the street smarts because that's where Braylon is now, where I grew up. You know what I mean? And he has street smarts. He got some common sense. Absolutely. And he's extremely smart too. But I tell him all the time, your common sense is not so common. Please remember, you need that. (laughs) So, all right. Now that you've touched on how you kind of talked to Braylon about it, how do you teach him, though, to have thick skin and be resilient, but also in that strength, allow him to be vulnerable? Uh, Well, when I say Braylon is, he got it honest from both sides. Like, obviously, our situation has been all over everything. You know, when we're good, when we're bad, whatever it is. He sees a lot. He hears a lot. He asks questions. I'm the parent. I don't lie to him. I tell him the truth. Maybe when he was like four, I would be like, it's okay. But now he's old enough to understand. He's also old Mm -hmm. enough to have his own voice. 
And um, I tell him all the time that the rumors that you hear about other people are about as true as the ones you hear about yourself. And he knows what that means because he gets things said about him because of what has been said about his father and myself. So um, I teach him to, this is maybe not the best thing, but I was always kind of told to um, be the tree when it comes to shade. <laughs> so he knows how to defend himself and he knows how to defend himself with words. You know, I don't teach Braylon like, you know, he knows how to fight, but that's not where he goes ever. But he will say something and I'll be like, yeah, I was a little far, <laughs> but yeah, I'm fine, you know? But, um, well, since you brought up the shade tree, just have to ask, since you're an, you're an original Casman Bruv um, basketball wife, so drama is no stranger to you. Mm -hmm. um, even in that situation, though, and him being able to Google now and see his parents or watch old shows, um, do you feel like people treat you or approach you differently as a mother or doubt your skills as a mother? Does that have any impact on your mental um, state um, at any time? To be honest, um, I haven't really been questioned about my mothering skills much. I mean, when the whole situation with Dwight and I, you know, was big or whatever, you know, people chose their sides. But I think over the course of the time that I was on the show, yes, I made some mistakes, but for the most part, I felt like I stayed true to who I was and I defended myself. Um, and I don't think that anything that he has seen or has heard or he's, it's, you know, he's seen clips or whatever, um, has really been anything for him to be too embarrassed about, or at least he doesn't say it. Um, he is in therapy. My son goes to therapy every week um, mm -hmm. for everything. Um, anything he wants to talk about, he talks about. Um, he's been doing that since he was six. Um, nice. You know, we take the summers off, um, but like, once school is back in, he's like every week. And I just do that because sometimes kids aren't comfortable in talking to you. And I feel like Braylon talks to me about everything. And I mean everything. <laughs> but there are also things that I remember growing up being best friends with my mom that I still don't talk to her about. And I talk to her about right. a lot. So I always want him to have that out. But um, as far as the show, like he knows why I left the show. He knows that I left the show because... I felt like I was contradicting myself. I felt like I was being a hypocrite. I'm training these girls. Um, but my company is based on um, uplifting and self-esteem and all these things, you know, and competing. But I'm on this show where I'm fighting my fellow Black woman, you know, mm -hmm. my sister. And I complained about that for four seasons. And when I saw nothing was changing and I got offered more money to start a fight or, you know, my job being threatened because I didn't bring enough drama, I was like, this is it for me. And, yeah. you know, yeah, the money was good. You know, we were actually one of the shows that got paid decent, but mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't worth it to me. And to be raising a black male, I look at where the show is now and, mm -hmm. I think about how he as a 12 year old 
would have reacted if I was still on there. Um, right. And I'm okay with not being, you know, I've been asked a few times, a few seasons to come back and I've been in talks to do it. But um, even this season, I was actually supposed to go back until, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement happened and now they're afraid to portray us a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, damn, if it took that, then maybe <laughs> it's not the show that needs to go away, but maybe the cast needs to change. I hear you. Tr- I, I hear it all. Thank you very much. Um, but there's a lot of commonality so far, and I think the way the three of us have spoken are raising our children. Why don't we go to Sherry? Um, Shelby, I'm sorry. Do you feel the same way as these young ladies? Like, what's different or the same about how you're raising your kids compared to how you were raised? Yeah, well, my children are two and four, so they're still really Aww. young. Yes, so we're, you know, navigating. This is new territory for me still as a mom, and so I'm really appreciating and learning a lot from the other panelists because I think, you know, what Tian was saying in terms of the common sense is so important, um, and I will admit that up until now, I've been raising my kids kind of in a bubble because the way they are growing up is very different from how I grew up. I, I'm from the deep South, born and raised in the South, now living in Los Angeles. So for me, my community around me, I had my village. You know, we talk about the village. Mm-hmm. I had my grandparents. I had my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. And my kids don't have that. We live in a community where they are the only Black children. They're, they're the only Black children at their preschool. They're the only Black children when they go to their extracurricular activities. My daughter's in right. summer camp. She's the only Black child. So it's just, we have to, I am learning as a mom that I really have to seek out that village and build that mm-hmm. village for them. And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out what's the best way to do that. I do believe that building community is important and instilling that in our children at an early age, like some of the other panelists said, you know, starting as early as two. And we're doing that because I believe that building that awareness starts at home and it starts young. Can, can I say something? Oh, go ahead. I just feel like the world is forcing us to have to talk to our kids about uncomfortable situations we're not comfortable at doing at an uncomfortable age. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to my son about that, but I get invested and I'm not going to lie because it happened in my family. So it hits a place with me when I see George on the floor. Like I get pissed mm-hmm. because I remember my cousin and I get really emotional about all that stuff. So I start ranting and, oh my God, you know, I have a pre-existing condition, but I would have been out there probably going to jail and everything with the protests if I didn't have cooties, you know. (laughs) But on a serious note, just even with sex and all the stuff that's going on, I don't want to talk about a lot of things with my Mm -hmm. children at this age, but I feel like I'm being forced to Mm -hmm. because it's everywhere. You can't go nowhere without, and then when they start asking questions, you have to figure it out. Like at two, I started talking to him. Like if somebody, a kid comes say, Chance, hey, come help me find your puppy or do you want some candy? I start there and then I move on up as they're older because, and then kids forget. I remember when I didn't have kids, I was like, why is she repeating herself so much? But when you have kids, you find out you have to repeat things all the time. (laughs) But at 19, I can understand that. But I, you know, understand it now. But mostly all I wanted to say is I feel forced to have to talk about uncomfortable things that I would have never back in the day had to explain to my four-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm totally... I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, she's 100% correct on that. I mean, just even turning on the TV. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Disney. You know, our kids are exposed to so many things. And I remember just being shocked by seeing somebody kiss. 
And now it's like on Disney, you're talking about, oh yeah, this is what we did last night. No, we're not, you know? <laughs> and I did not expect to have to have a conversation with my child about intercourse when he was seven, you know? And even now it's like, he's shy when talking to me about it, but at least he's coming to me. But I, the stuff that he knows already is it's like when did you learn this how do you know about this and it's because when they're out in the world it's their friends that are being exposed to stuff it's stuff that they're seeing on tv it's stuff that they're hearing and repeating and yeah you know even when it comes to you know the george floyd situation i mean my son even, you know, he posted about it and I didn't even know on his Instagram. And I went to talk to him about it. And this was before I even saw his post. And he told me, you know, almost essentially more than I even knew. And I still had to explain to him a why. Mm -hmm. And how do you explain a why for that? You, you don't know. You know, but I did the best that I could. And, you know, he's scared. My son is growing up scared, but he's trying so hard to just be a little boy by jumping on a trampoline, playing a game, you know, but he doesn't realize that he's an endangered species. I hear you. I've got a 20-year-old, a 16 and 14, all boys, so... (sighs) I've got a lot, <laughs> I've yeah. got a lot to, 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 um, that, that's similar to what you guys are going through. Um, Shelby, let me ask you a, a, another question. Um, what do you think, like with all that you've accomplished in your TV production career, how are you teaching your children, although they're still tiny tots, two and four, how are you teaching them by example, even as toddlers? Yeah, so I, they definitely know mommy works. So that is their thing. They like to imitate mommy on the phone, on the computer. <laughs> and I even take them on set. So they know all about it. So I think they are just learning from seeing that I'm a go-getter, that um, mommy works really hard. And I want, that's important for me, especially for my daughter. I want her to see that, whatever her path is. And what's really important to me is that they see that not only are you going to fight to get that seat at the table but you'll flip that table over you'll set up your own table table (laughs) yeah so ownership is very important as well you know outside of just what I do in production I also am an entrepreneur and it's really important that they see that so like we Mm -hmm. invest in real estate so I take them to the property so they can see they meet the tenants and they're only two and four but I think that that's something that because my parents didn't really do that with me Mm -hmm. my parents were you know they were the first ones to make it you know that went to college so for them it was always like you know work hard be smart but just take what they give you you know don't be too loud don't be too outspoken check all the boxes be a good girl get a respectable job (laughs) <laughs> and just that job. And so I definitely want my kids to think differently, think outside of the box. That's a dope idea. Even as young as they are, you, you, you're, you're raising the, the next influential billionaires over there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sherry, can we go back to you? Um, what, what, what's your reaction to what's being said or what's been your yeah. experience? So thanks. Uh, well, my, I, I have one daughter. She's 25 years old. So I, I have a, uh, experienced a lot of 
the raising of uh, black children. And she has really um, developed into a really competent young woman. Um, like you, we started early with education and opportunities, um, just allowing her to explore and be part of kind of the adult life. Um, you know, she came with us everywhere we went and was able to interact with individuals. Mm -hmm. And I felt that that had instilled some, a lot of confidence in her. Um, but, you know, when, uh, you know, compared to my upbringing, I grew up in Boston. We were the second black family in our community. Uh, my dad was an educator. My mom worked outside the home and the three of us um, were really supported. As you mentioned, Shelby, we had a community. My, our dentist was black. Our doctor was black. Our, our, our grocery store was black. Um, we would run the streets and come home at five and six o'clock in the evening, knowing that our community supported us. But today, um, it's a different, different scenario. Well, you know, mm -hmm. I need even my 25 year old daughter, I check in, call in, take care of yourself, take care of your friends, look out for yourself, um, giving her all the tools to be successful as a young person, as a black young lady, but then also living in, a, in an urban uh, community like Seattle uh, right now. Um, but it is important to be able to instill those values, those mm -hmm. deep values that talk about your, your own uh, moral values, how you treat each other, how you treat your friends, and how you can respect yourself being that face out in the community. Currently, she's graduated from college. She's lived in Europe for a year uh, uh, working. She's now back here in Seattle um, being very, very productive um, and, and considering advancing her education um, a degree just because of the foundation that um, uh, me and, and my husband Ray has given her. So I, I understand um, being at this stage in her life at 25 years old, she is now looking to instill those same values to others. Um, young That's kids, um, she's done some mentoring, she's done some coaching. She plays, she's the only black girl out there on the lacrosse field playing lacrosse, coaching lacrosse and repping lacrosse. And she is now become a role model for other young black girls who want to aspire to where she is athletically as well as um, educationally um, and, and also in her career. So, but it's not an easy road. It's a lot of sit down, having the talk, sitting down, talking to them about values, explaining the whys and why that is important to know what is the kind of the root cause of some of the injustices in the world. But then also look at your own um, um, faults and um, um, uh, and which and look at it as an opportunity for success. You know, we all have to fall to get back up and move forward. And it's important to instill those values and show you know, between her mom and dad that we have also have gotten up and moved forward in our career and our education and even dealing with. Um, our neighbors and our friends and our colleagues. So um, it is hard raising black children. It is hard, mm -hmm. but I feel that we have all had many, many successes to be able to state that our kids are growing up, um, you know, clear mind and successful and mm -hmm. um, have a good moral and spiritual base. 
Can I add something? Yeah, go ahead. I feel like, especially in today's society, people praise being promiscuous and stuff like that. And I know Shelby said something about learning and you have a two and four year old, but more people need to lead by example. Like when my daughter was two, she saw her mommy worked hard when she was four. Mommy's still working hard. So when she got in school, she was proud to say that my mom works hard. She's not one of them girls sleeping with different men living off a guy's money. And when he goes, the money goes too. That matters because mm -hmm. your children see that you are respectful. And we lead by example. Like a lot of people, I know a lot of girls who don't do that. And, you know, you're basically telling your child, your girl or your boy, this is how you disrespect women and your girl will learn you don't have to respect yourself. That's what you're teaching your child when they see that happening in your home. So if we lead by example and we show them that we are hard workers, kids notice that because when they get to high school and the ones who don't have moms like that, trust me, they get teased about it because my daughter came home one day and she was like, you know what, mom, I'm so proud to know that you're not like one of them moms because her mom doesn't do anything and they tease her all the time. Mm -hmm. And being a celeb kid is hard. My daughter gets it hard, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at least she don't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's it's funny, even um, because of the COVID, COVID going on right now, and I said my mom has MS. She, um, I recently lost my father, but my mom has um, MS, so I'm making her stay with me until this kind of thing is over so I can keep a good eye on her. And um, I had to run to Atlanta for work for a couple of days. Um, and then I came right back. But the same boys that were here when I left were the same ones that sit there downstairs now, the same ones that they're outside um, doing the yard work. But I didn't ask them to do anything, but it's eight boys. And so sometimes I'm like, you know, where are your moms? Where are your dads? Why don't we go to the basketball game? Sometimes I'm making two trips so I can make sure everybody's there, but I'm the only black mom in the audience. I'm the only one cheering these kids on and it gets to be it's, it's just sad because where where our loyalty lies is is it's not with our kids it's not with our families and as you you said they they know that and they feel that you know so I, th I think with you saying that I think where it starts is we have lost the sense of having a village mm -hmm. um I mean I remember growing up and if I did something wrong I had to make sure I got down the street you know, like <laughs> I got whipped by the, my, my godparents, you know, to, like my friend's moms, like everybody who saw mm -hmm. you do something, you know, your whole street raised you or your whole block yeah. raised you. And sure. all of us looking back on it now, you know, for the most part, we all did great, you mm -hmm. know, or we're all like working, we're all pursuing something, but we don't have that now. You know, I did grow up in a time where we didn't have to lock our doors really, you know, mm -hmm. um, or at least not in my neighborhood. So it's, it's hard because I want Braylon to have that, but it's unfortunate that I have, I have to drive to get it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think another part is, I think as a community, we're so used to like, letting stuff go up until now but with us walking all these miles during these protests what is the final plan like what are we doing are we going to turn these liquor stores on our corners into grocery stores owned by us you know what exactly are we doing you know you can knock down all these monuments and replace them with you know us 
But what essentially is that doing? Like, where are we going? I'm happy to start seeing progress now where some of these, you know, Caucasians that were voicing black characters are now stepping down and allowing someone else to have a chance that looks like us. You know, I'm proud of the fact that um, we're just now starting to be given these opportunities, but I also don't want it to seem like you're trying to pacify us. Well, if we mm -hmm. hand them this cookie, then maybe they'll be quiet. It doesn't roll like that either. So I think as a community, we all need to, in each community, sit down and have a plan. Like mm -hmm. we have these low, you know, these offices that could be run for, the school boards that, you know, offices that could be run for. And I'm happy that some people are starting to do it, but even within our own communities, you can change the mayor. Right. You know, it starts there. I look at in Atlanta with, you know, with Keisha and I'm like, I was so proud, you know, right. and I don't even live there, but I was like, right. yeah, but I'm in Florida. Yeah. Y'all already know how it is here. And I'm in Orlando slash Garden, that Windermere, real central Florida area where it's like, you already know. And yeah. I'm constantly fighting for, to give my child reassurance or to give these girls that I teach reassurance that they can make it. But some of their parents have even given up and told these girls that you're not going to college. I can't afford it. Well, let's figure out a way so right. she can. Don't put that in a child's head to where they don't even want to become anything because you've already told them that they're not. No, that's for a positive um, affirmation and, and encouragement. If we always tell them they can, they won't know the word can't. So exactly. I totally agree with that. Um, um, Ms. Sherry, I had another question for you. When you, when you, Think about the health and wellness in our community, the African-American community. What are some of the things that you feel you've learned from your work in the community that can benefit us, that we're not really, you know, reaching out and, and, and getting? Well, uh, again, you, you had a key word there, listening. Listening to the, our community members, listening to the organizations and the individuals that their voice has not been uh, addressed and that we can really provide a framework to be able to be more impactful listening to our communities and our community partner organizations. Um, I, you know, I feel that, you know, the success of the work that I've been doing is that I always come back to the table. I always have a seat and you may have those organizations that can maybe write a check or be part of um, the development, but to come back and continue to listen to the voices of the of the people that mm -hmm. have issues around disparities, that have issues around housing, that have issues around um, translation services, um, healthy food, grocery stores. Um, that can you can that you can um, have a farm, uh, urban farm or a garden to grow your own food. There are different opportunities out there. But in healthcare, the key is to be an active listener and a participant in the growth and the development of the people that we serve. Um, I, I, I'm going back to, you know, give, giving back to your community and, and allowing your community to give back to individuals, I think is very, very important. 
in as it's volunteering, you know, writing that check, mentoring, being um, physically active, getting individuals interested in things that they won't necessarily been exposed to, where it can lead to economic development and career advancement. Um, there are organizations popping up that talk about um, nutrition, that talk about women leadership, that also uh, manage uh, around com uh, computer development and technology, real estate, um, and, and again, farming. I think in urban farming and trying to get um, kids interested in growing their food. My grandparents grew their own food. Yep. Um, and, and, um, you know, and I learned how to do that as well, but not, that's not something that young people learn today is to understand the growth process. So mm -hmm. I feel that, um, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity, especially now during COVID where, you know, um, people are interacting in different ways that are very technologically forward. I mean, Zoom meetings like this, you can have an open, honest discussion, um, yeah. town hall <laughs> and open discussions that could really inform and educate individuals and broaden the voice of our community. So I said a lot there, but I feel that each one of them truly can really impact how our communities can be a bridge to knowing and learning more about ourselves. I 100% agree with everything you just said, especially the part about kids learning how to grow their own fruit, their own vegetables, like, you know, all these things. Like my parents have 12 different types of mangoes and soursops and sugar apples and, you know, pineapples, all these fruits, you know, and that Braylon is so into it now. He's like, mommy, can we grow our tomatoes here? And I'm like, I don't know if mommy got that green thumb, like pop pop, but <laughs> I said, sure. But the fact that he enjoys it, it teaches him patience. The fact, even just taking our kids fishing, something so small like that, they would enjoy so much more than playing a video game. If you did it so often, you had a, you know, you communicated with them as to why they're doing it and what they can be, you know, become from doing that and growing their own things and not having to spend money on this and that, whatever. Like, I can't tell you the last time I bought a mango from a grocery store. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's little things like that that I 100% agree with you on. And it gives them so much ambition and drive to want to take that further because then maybe these are the kids that are going to be the next grocery store owner because now they know about all these exotic fruit that can grow in all these different regions, you right. know? So I'm 100% with you on that. So let me know when you want to... <laughs> 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 okay, let's ask Tiana a question really quickly, I'm gonna, and then we'll get ready to wrap it up. I'm going to start, uh, end it with her answering this for me, because I watched her um, back in my LaFace days um, with DeVette Singletary. Um, so, Tiana, how do you um, raise awareness and educate people on social, inju social injustice? I just try to use my platform. I've never been the camera happy celeb. I'm not that chick. I've never yeah, been. No. When I'm working, I'm working. That's when I'm T-Boz. But do not call me T-Boz when I'm here. I'm Tion yeah. every day, all day. And mm -hmm. Tion created T-Boz. But I hate when people call me T-Boz when I am so at home. That yes. would make me not be your friend. But <laughs> when, and, I, and I'm not really, a, I don't really care for social media, but I get it. 
and I see why sometimes it can be needed. But I just speak the truth and I tell the truth and I show what I learn and I just try to dig deep and find out the truth about certain situations and I just put it out there. And then from there, because certain people are fans or they look up to me, then they start spreading the word because word of mouth is great. You know what I mean? Did I say that right? Yeah, I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's great. And um, I hate when they box me like, oh, celebs, don't do that. Don't do that with me. Don't do that. Because I don't even hardly like celebs myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just happen to be in the business, but I don't even talk to my peers. Everybody who knows me, hi, girl, bye. I'm always the hi and bye person. Mm -hmm. I keep to myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not the TMZ chick. Let's call and tell them to show up when I'm out the window. You know, so that doesn't work. You're not posting. You're not posting for the gram? No. Mm-mm. I do it because well, well, I do it because I know the fans want to see things, but I don't live my life by social media. Right. I refuse to do that. And you're not going to measure my job by how many followers I got mm-hmm. when all these chicks are sitting up here buying porn star like IGs and getting numbers, and they're cheating and there's false people. I'm not doing all of that because Girl, you just said a word. Me, yeah, how many arenas did I just sell out last week? All of them? Oh, okay, that's my real numbers because I know a lot of people who have millions, but they can't sell out a concert. Mm-hmm. So your real numbers is what you do for real in real life. And that's my job. So anytime I go to a meeting and people start going, oh, what is your numbers? Don't worry about that. Why don't you ask me how many 3 million people I performed for this year and all my concerts were sold out. That's what matters. So I just, everybody who knows me for the 28 years, almost three decades since I've been here, I've been outspoken. I don't hold my tongue. I say what I think. I'm always going to. I'm not afraid to stand up for myself. And I will speak on whatever I feel like. If you don't like me, cool. Go to somebody else's page. I don't care because I don't know what's going on in a chick's page if I don't like them. I can't tell you nothing about them. But it's funny how, you know, certain people and the trolls know everything about my life. Oh, but you don't like me, though. You know, (laughs) so I just try to always keep true to who I came in this business as. So everything I sing about is real. Everything I talk about in my interviews is real. And with me, what you see is what you get. I don't have time to be going to the store dolled up in eyelashes and weed hanging down here. That's not my thing. Yeah. What you see is me. And that's all you're going to get. Because I don't, I can't play games like that because that's not in my DNA. I know a lot of people say like, oh, they changed. They didn't change. It just Mm -hmm. took something to bring out what was in their soul in the first Mm -hmm. place. I don't have that in my soul. So it's never coming out because it doesn't belong in me. But fame or money or something, it took something to bring what was already in them out. So they was always that way. You know what I mean? So for me, I just try to use my platform for good. Um, I always tell my fans like, I was put in a position. I didn't want to be a role model. I just wanted to be on TV when I was 19. I didn't think about none of that. I'm decide- I'm in it, you know? I'm living <laughs> my dreams. So then you become a role model. And I'm like, uh-oh, people watching. I don't have anything too much that I'm ashamed of, but I always let them know I have made mistakes. I And I put it in my last book that I came out, my second book I came out with. And I told everything that I've done wrong and right. But that made me the woman I am today that I am proud to be. Because my mom, I feel, raised me with good morals, integrity, and character. And that matters to me when I die. What I did on this earth and who I changed, I mean, who I helped and the lives that I've changed. 
you know, mm -hmm. and when you're out there working, you don't really realize how many lives you impact until like, you know, we would do, you know, when back in the day when you have sign-ins in the record stores and stuff mm -hmm. like that, people's like, I didn't commit suicide because you wrote up pretty. And I'm like, whoa, that's deep. Like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't ready for all of that <laughs> responsibility. Yeah. I just was pouring out my heart from something that happened to me that I didn't realize that so many people felt the same way, mm -hmm. you know? So I just keep it real. Everybody who knows me, if you go back from 19 to my 50 right now, everything I ever say is always the same. You'll never hear me switch up. My comments and stories are always the same because I don't lie. I don't like liars. Mm -hmm. I don't got time for it. I don't play games. I just, I can't. And so that's, the, that's what I have to offer to them is whatever I say I mean, I'm not going to take it back if I meant it. You don't like it, go away. If you do, come on board. That's just my life. And I tell my kids the same thing when we were talking about that. If people are not the ones who was there when you were sick, who was in the hospital with you? Who was there paying your bills? Mm -hmm. Who was there to talk to you when you were sick? If they're not there, don't care about what they say because I don't care about nothing nobody says about me because mm -hmm. you're not there. My mom, my brother, my daughter, that's who's there in the hospital with me, not you. So I could care less what anybody thinks about me because I'm going to be me and I'm happy being me. And I'm cool with that. As long as me and G.O.D. got a, you know, a, a situation, we're good. Good to go. <laughs> that being said, I mean, that pretty much sums it all up. Could I just say before I we finish, just really quick, everything you just said hit me different. Because I honestly have not heard anyone say that out loud. And I feel like, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I feel like I've been the same way. I've been picked on because I didn't do my hair the way they wanted me to. Or because I'm not wearing these thousand dollar outfits because my shoes aren't red bottoms. And I'm like, I ain't never been that way. And if I were to become that way, do you know how many people would call me out? Because I think about my friends and my real family, you know, that I grew up with. And to say, like, you never change because of this industry, it just hit different. Because I have honestly questioned myself, like, even with where I am right now, you know, I got a whole theater education degree. And I'm seeing people who ain't never took an acting class get these gigs. And I'm like, well, damn, is it because I didn't throw a glass? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, maybe this isn't for me. But to see someone that I have looked up to and that kind of thinks the way that I think and to see how far that you have come, to see how you're raising your kids. And it just makes me feel like, well, damn, maybe I'm doing all right. You <laughs> You know and that's what, what it's for. It's for us all to come together, essentially. You know what I mean? And, yes. and just yeah. all unifying. are doing all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, in closing, basically, just I think collectively, we all want to raise um, our kids to know their culture. But we also want them to become better than the generation before them, just as we want to become better than the generation before ours. Um, being an, the lineage of Emmett Till, you know, one of my cousins and one of my sons happens to be the head of the Emmett Till Youth Foundation. You grow up with this stuff, hoping that your kids will never see it and their kids will never see it. And we're kind of back at square one. Mm -hmm. So we've got yep. to fix it and we've got to help the other kids fix it. So I want to, to ask each one of you ladies here, what's the one thing you want to leave behind for your children and the next generation? If you just have one thing, and I do want to hear from each one of you about this. So let's go ahead and start with um, 
We can start with you, Sherry. Okay. One thing I'd like to leave the question one more time. One thing I'd like to leave. Yes, one thing you like behind. to leave behind for, for your children or your daughter, your child, and the next generation. What's that one takeaway that you can give them? For, for, I think the most important thing is to have to have respect for yourself, to respect others, and to also invest in um, the communities around you because mm -hmm. that will allow the growth and development of each and every person in those communities. Um, you invest and that investment can come in money, time, education, volunteerism, um, mm -hmm. invest in your mental health and your mental wellness. If you make yeah. that investment, your communities will thrive. Well said, thank you. Um, let's go ahead to Michelle B. Larkin-Reed. I would say empowerment. So the skills and tools to empower yourself, so not only from an educational standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. So being able to empower yourself financially, you can not only help yourself, but you can also pay it forward and help your yeah. community and others. You guys are on it with these takeaways. Thank you. Okay, Royce, what's your one takeaway? Um, I think I would let them um, probably say to all of them, don't lose your voice. Um, make sure that you are always speaking your mind and your truth, your truth, not anyone else's. Um, and obviously, you know, the old saying, if you, you know, stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Um, and just be willing when you want to put yourself in that position of where you feel as if you can risk it all. Just make sure the purpose behind doing that is leaving a legacy behind. That is something that everyone who comes behind you, the following generations, your friends, your family, everyone that knew you, that it meant something and it was worth it. If that Thank makes sense. you. It does a lot. Thank you. And Tian, Ms. Watkins. Your well, one takeaway. Everyone's comment, I would go by that too. Um, I think I would tell her to be the best that she can be because a lot comes within that statement because that has to do with her morality, her character, her integrity. Because if you're always striving to be the best, that means you're going to try to treat people as you want to be treated. You're going to respect yourself. A lot goes into being the best that you can be because that means she'll cover a lot of ground as a person and trying to do good at her job, her personal life, her children. I want her to be the best at anything she chooses to do. Thank you ladies so much and thank you for being here. This conversation is very important. It is vital. And I think that, well, I know the words that you guys showed with us and the voices will really resonate. So thank you all for being a part. Thank you ladies so much. Thank you. And okay, thank you. Bye you guys, have a good one.